G'day everyone, and welcome to My Union Road in ABA. This is a podcast to chronicle the progress towards a new enterprise bargaining agreement at Monash University and is brought to you by members of the Monash branch of the NTEU. We're here to take the old agreement and hashtag change it. And unlike our namesake, my dad wrote a porno, do everything we can to avoid being fucked in the process. Those involved with the podcast would like to acknowledge that it is being recorded on the unceded lands of the Kulin Nations, on whose lands we live, teach, and work. We would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional custodians and elders, past and present, and to the continuation of the cultural, spiritual, and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Hi everyone, my name is Adam Fernandez and I am your National Councillor here at the Monash Branch, here with another update on our Vice-Chancellor's pay. It has been 397 days since the expiry of the old EBA, and by the time the Vice-Chancellor leaves her post this Friday, she will have raked in $1,512,726. That's equivalent to hiring 17 Q5s for a year, or roughly the same amount of level A academics. You could also adopt 605 Golden Retriever puppies with that amount. Fun fact. But as we say farewell to one of the most grossly overpaid public servants in Victoria, possibly even the country, we would like to thank her for her contribution to staff burnout, wage theft, a parking permit system that virtually robs staff and students of their pay, numerous land grabs, and an amazing PR campaign to make us look like we're a bastion of progressive thought. That's it from me. I'm Adam Fernandez, signing out. Hi, everyone. This week, we're putting out a quick episode to fill everybody in about what we'll be doing on Open Day this Sunday at Clayton and why we're doing it. We're starting our 10th month of bargaining now, and we are starting to get closer to the meteor end of the process. Each side is putting forward their own version of the changes that they want to make to the enterprise bargaining agreement, and in so doing, have painted a picture of their vision for what they want the university to be. The union, through the bargaining team, has put forward a vision of a fair university one that acknowledges the labour of its staff, upon whose shoulders rest the world-class rankings that the Vice-Chancellor is always quick to take credit for in her emails. Our vision of the university is one with secure jobs, manageable workloads, decent hours, adequate leave provisions and protections not only from bullying and other unacceptable conduct, but also from things like repeated restructures, which at their core are so often just institutional forms of unacceptable contact conduct that result in stress, distress and unnecessary burdens being placed upon the staff who remain. The university for its part has continued its long-standing practice of being completely driven by the almighty dollar. Why can't they provide reasonable accommodations for gender affirmation leave? The cost. Why is it too much to ask that casuals be paid for all hours that they spend marking the assignments of their students? The cost. Why are they pushing to expand the span of hours? To save money. All the while, they spend copious amounts of money in other areas like executive salaries and building after building purchased for God knows what reason. So as we get to the pointy end of bargaining, where it is more important than ever that we raise our voices for the kind of university we want to work in, it is time to show up and tell the world exactly how the sausage is made. At Open Day, the university is expecting thousands upon thousands of people to walk through the campus to get a sense of what this place is all about. We think that if people hear what the reality is for us and the alternative that we are proposing, 
they will side with us, side with an idea of the university as a place of learning, not as a conveyor belt pushing through as many students as possible in order to maximise the university's profits. So today we're going to recap the state of progress in bargaining and where we're at on different fronts, something that was covered in the recent all-members meeting but is important to understand. And then Adam, whose dulcet tones and sassy quips greet us at the beginning of each episode, is going to talk to us about what the plan is for Open Day and how you can help. Okay, so first up is the update on the status of the whole range of different claims that we've made as a part of our log of claims. This is the document that members formulated and put put to the university at the outset of bargaining. And unfortunately, on a lot of, a lot of fronts, the university has come up short in their response, if they've given us a response at all. For professional staff workloads, the university have rejected our claims for increased protections against increased workloads as a result of restructures and for protections against excessive or uncompensated overtime, which sounds a lot like wage theft to me. They've also knocked back our claims for access to a nine-day fortnight and for greater working from home rights and want to expand the span of hours for professional staff to cover a massive 13 hours a day. For academic staff workloads, we're essentially waiting to hear back from them about all of our claims, effective workload and hours linked caps, protections against excessive workloads and expanded recognition of research types that are all TBD from their end. The picture is a lot clearer for sessional staff workloads. They've said no to everything. No to all hours paid for all hours worked, hello again wage theft. No to abolishing the absurd Dean's determination for marking. No to paid consultation hours and no to rewriting scheduled three to call teaching, teaching and reduce misclassification, an issue which has already cost them nearly $9 million in back pay. They also want to leave casuals as second-class citizens when it comes to superannuation by refusing us the same super contributions as those of ongoing staff. In terms of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander employment, the union and management's positions are much closer, but the university only wants to commit uh, to an aspirational target whereas the union wants to make it a enforceable target. Moving on to job security, we're again getting a lot of big fat no's from Peter Marshall and co. No protections from excessive restructures, no to limitations on retrenchment to where the work performed is no longer required, no to expanded recognition of long-term service, and no to conversion rights for casual and fixed-term staff. They did announce the creation of 120 FTA teaching and research positions, but for them, fixed term and periodic contracts are the new default and they consider them to be secured jobs. Something that we know through our own lived experience is just bullshit. They've also offered what they call a pay increase, but at well below CPI, it is still a real terms pay cut atop the previous one, which offered much the same. It's a shame we can't all expect a 12% pay rise, but you've got to be the VC for that. The status of leave entitlements is a bit of a mixed bag, as we touched on last episode. They've come to the table to offer better leave entitlements for non-birth partners, but have knocked back sick pay for casuals and vaccination leave, have so far stuck to their underwhelming halfway position on gender affirmation leave, and are still trying to pretend Victorian state legislation somehow does not apply to them when talking about long service leave. When it comes to bullying, victimisation and occupational health and safety, again, it's a bit of a mixed bag. The university still wants to be able to punish staff for their research metrics and is still resisting improved reporting and transparency of OHS issues, but they have agreed to provide the findings of investigations to the complainants 
and have made some progress in the wording of their complaints and handling procedures. Finally, the university is seeking to impose higher thresholds on the exercise of academic freedom, deny the right to review in cases of dispute, and have so far been unsympathetic to our claims around improved intellectual property rights for staff. So as you can see, if this were a traffic light setup, there'd be a hell of a lot more red than green. So with Open Day, we want to send a clear message. That message is that the university needs to do better. It really has to do better. With Margaret gone as of the end of this week, Sue Elliott, our new VC, has our new acting VC rather, has an opportunity to abandon the obstructionist, combative approach to bargaining that has dominated the last 10 months from the university side and come to the table with real proposals to help this university live up to the aspirations that it says it has. Sue Elliott can hashtag change it. She just has to want to put people before and pedagogy before profit, to treat the staff at the university with dignity and respect and be willing to see this place for what it is, an institution of higher learning, not a cash-obsessed business enterprise trying to gobble up the world around it. Which brings us to Open Day. As many of you know, Open Day is the one day every year where the university throws up its tail feathers like a peacock in mating season and beckons forth to prospective students in an attempt to woo them to one of the various Monash campuses and away from the likes of Melbourne, Deakin, or even, God forbid, an interstate university like Sydney University. This year, the university is estimating that some 12,000 people have registered to attend one of the open days, with nearly 9,000 of those registering registering to come to Clayton this Sunday. There will be events, displays, and all manner of stuff spread pretty much around the whole campus, giving us ample opportunity to talk to prospective students and their parents, and give them an insight into the working conditions of the university and make our case for better pay and better conditions. Because as we all know, staff working conditions are student learning conditions. So to talk to us about Open Day and what we'll be doing, we've released Adam from the confines of the beginning of the show. He's the victive president and a veteran of many Open Days. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing great. How are you both? Not too bad. Yeah, getting pretty good. Very excited for Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, me too. I typically work Sundays for Open Day. It's the one Sunday I actually get off my beds. (laughs) So, Adam, what's the Vic Division doing at Open Days throughout the state this year? Quite a few things, actually. Um, So... Like with Monash, there's a lot of branches across the division that are really pushing for better agreements and not getting very far. Our union has proposed that we take a concerted effort and organize an effort across the state um, by occupying their open days. So what we'll see is a calendar of open days where staff from the union, as well as members, will be putting effort into making sure that their voices matter and their voices are heard on open days. Sounds good. You've been involved in a bunch of open days in the past. Um, For people that haven't necessarily been to one or haven't maybe been to one for a long time, what are they usually like? What can people expect to see? So I should clarify that I've only been to a Monash open day. I don't really get out get out of my bed on Sundays for work until it's double pay. So for me, that's a very good reason. What you can expect as, say, a parent or a visitor or a guest is an experience that's very similar to a carnival in the sense that you'll have 
you know, people going to faculties uh, for demonstrations to find out more about courses. You'll have students and parents looking to find out how to get into university, like via scholarship pathways, uh, students looking to stay on campus, and all, a lot of people looking for information, but a lot of faculties also demonstrating some of their amazing projects that they do, um, particularly in engineering, because there's a lot of hands-on projects that students get to touch and play with. Um, but aside from all that, there's a carnival aspect to it where there's free food, there's performances, there's DJs, there's dances, and the whole idea is to make this an enjoyable experience for those who have traveled quite a number of hours to watch, to see their kid hopefully go to an institution like Monash. So um, the idea is to make this an enjoyable experience for parents, kids, but also the younger siblings or kids who get dragged on along inadvertently as well. I hear there's also some clowns that attend, but they're in suits and have seven-figure salaries. <laughs> yes. Um, just one. I think it's the VC. So it sounds like it should provide us with plenty of opportunity for conversations with people. Can you walk us through what we as the union will be doing on open day for this year at Clayton? All right. So this depends on whether you are working the day or you're not working today. And what I mean by that, if you're getting paid money like me to work the day, then you can elect to actually take strike action from 12 to 1 and um, down your tools, leave your stall and attend a stop work rally where we'll be making speeches will be kick, you know raising hell talking to students marching shouting etc if you are not required to work open day and what i mean by that if you are an academic for example who does not get paid but you volunteer your time to make this university look fabulous then stuff them join our picket line <laughs> come come to the campus at 9:45 a.m. maybe a little bit earlier so you can beat the traffic and you know break Join our briefing, hand out flyers, uh, you'll get merch as well. We want you to talk to members. We want you to talk to parents and students about what we're doing. Now, all across the day, whether you're working for money or whether you're volunteering your time, we will have the opportunity to talk to students at stalls as well. So I, for example, will likely be wearing a union t-shirt on the day at my stall, where in addition to promoting my program, for work, I'll also be talking about why we're doing this. And we'll also be getting people to sign our petition, um, calling on the vice chancellor or acting vice chancellor and her cronies to give, you know, listen to our demands. So there is something for everyone. If you're coming on that day as a union member, there is something for you to do. So um, sign up, come to the day, and yeah, let's show this university what we're prepared to do. The behavior of students and their parents at Open Day, what would you say to people who think that taking action on Open Day will give Monash a bad name among prospective students and their families? I think when we think about people taking industrial action, we think about people inconveniencing the general public. And by and large, there are actions in the greater community that aim at that to frustrate, to cause an inconvenience in order to make a stand. That's not going to be the goal for us at Open Day. Our goal is to get parents and you know, prospective students on side with our campaign, to help them understand why we're fighting for the things that we're doing. So um, the last thing we want to do is to get them offside, to inconvenience them. We want them to come to Monash, but we also want them to understand that nothing they receive comes for free. It is done through hard work and often unrecognized work. And they, we have a chance to you know, 
build those alliances with them and to help bring them into to our side. So um, there is uh, under no circumstance that we want to make them feel miserable of you know make their day terrible. We want them to be there and we want them supporting us. So that's the attitude I encourage everyone to take to open day. Yeah, absolutely. And I found in the past with conversations with students and parents and that kind of thing, they're always incredibly supportive once they find out, you know, the reality of the situation at universities and how often, you know, people are doing unpaid labour and all of the things that we talk about on this podcast. So, you know, I would also just encourage people to, you know, realise that, you know, you're not trying to, it's not a hard sell, you know, people are sort of generally on your side and I'm pretty happy to have a chat about these things. Uh, so, yeah, I totally agree with you there, Adam. Yeah, thank you. And, um, you know, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity on a day where the university likes to pretend that these problems don't exist and to try and convince people that they should continue to exist in the way that they do. And it's the, probably the, one of the university's greatest public relations stunts. And, you know, our university is probably better at it than many other universities and we spend millions of dollars trying to show that this is an opportunity for us to challenge that directly and to mess that up for them because um our university has got very gotten very good at becoming more public relations than actual meaningful change and structural change and so um yeah i really encourage people to make the take the time out to yeah take a stand with us and what would you say to people that think we should be doing more, that we should be doing something a little bit more muscular or more militant on the day? On one hand, I completely agree with them. I think we should. I would like to tell them that, you know, Open Day is not our, you know, our ace in the hole, so to speak. We've got many other actions and many other opportunities to them to, to remind management that this is, you know, there are many things more to come. So for, for those of you who think that um, open days are be all and end all, we really need to actually occupy and do things, be more militant, that, those times will come. Yeah, absolutely. We don't want to burn out in one day and we want to really get that momentum going. The branch will also be having a merch stall at Clayton this Thursday as well. So if you want to swing by and grab some NTU t-shirts and posters for Sunday, we'll be at the lemon-scented lawns between 1 and 3 p.m. Um, if you don't get a chance to wear a shirt, wear purple. And if you're working this Sunday at Open Day, make sure you strike between midday and 1 p.m. and come to the rally outside the campus centre. Absolutely, Tony. You know, the only thing better than coming in on a Sunday for work to strike is to do it on paid time and use that opportunity to talk to as many people about why we're taking action. Couldn't ask for anything better. Absolutely. And if like Tony and I are not working, come down to Clayton from 10am onwards to speak to families about working conditions at Monash and so show support at the rally. Throughout the day, we'll also be getting as many people as possible to sign our petition to University Council in support of the NTEU's bargaining claims, which you can find in the show notes. All right, that's it for us today. Uh, remember, as always, if you have any questions, if there's anything that you want us to cover, reach out to us at myunionwroteaneba at gmail.com. Otherwise, we'll see you on Sunday. All right, folks, that's it for this episode. Thanks to Kate, Danny, Adam, Bernard, and Pod Daddy Sofio for all the work they've put into this, and we'll catch you next time.